0: Welcome to the official OCPHA podcast journey series where uh, we interview our local pharmacy professionals about their journey into their specialized fields. And my name is Tony, and today we'll be speaking to our guest, uh, Dr. David Chu, on his journey into his current field. So thank you again for being on the show, David. How are you doing today?
1: Hey, Tony. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing really well. How about yourself?
0: Good, good. Just uh, a weekend, busy weekend. So, for yeah, sure. So. Uh, so, for the listeners, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself?
1: Sure, sure. So I graduated from Western U about a couple of years ago and um, I pursued a PGY-1 residency at V.A. Loma Linda general residency and decided to specialize so I further pursued a PGY2 oncology at Kaiser Permanente Inland Empire where I was trained and mainly in the Inland Empire area from Fontana, Ontario to Riverside but I also got a little bit research experience down in San Diego as well as got to see some patients at City of Hope. Now I currently is a clinical research pharmacist and on specialist at uh, Hogue Memorial Hospital, Presbyterian. And my mainly, my main job is just look after all the clinical research drugs, trial information, as well as building the beacon plan for them.
0: Okay, so I guess, so you say you're currently working in oncology. What, what was your title again?
1: My title is a clinical research pharmacist.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, I specialize in oncology. Oh, okay. So clinical research pharmacist. So I guess for you, like what is your day-to-day like? And then in comparison to other clinical research pharmacists that uh, don't specialize in oncology, do, are there other ones that specialize in something else? And are your day-to-days like kind of the same or they're kind of different? Like how does that happen?
1: Sure. So my day-to-day, I wouldn't imagine to be drastically different from other people. I, I'm not strictly an oncology clinical trial pharmacist. I, I say that I'm specializing in oncology because I do have oncology training, as well as most of the trials happening at Hogue are at about 95% oncology base. We do have cardiovascular, neurology, and some other devices trials, but none of those are personally handled by me. They're handled by the clinical research nurses and coordinators. So in terms of the day-to-day, what I do is first, depending whether the day I have patients or not, the, the days I had patients, I will generally get in pretty early, check on their labs, anticipating what what kind of day will be for them. For example, it could be a regular chemo regimen arm where they'll be there for hours infusion. I'll make sure their labs are ordered appropriately and there are beacon plans reflecting on what we're doing for the day, as well as communicating with the nurses to make sure that they understand that this is a research patient. And there are some protocols and procedures we need to follow, even though it may just be a simple regimen that everybody else gets as the standard care. We still have to treat it as part of the study and then they have to follow procedures per the good trial practices. On the days that I do not have patients, I typically will come in around the same time, but not as early because I don't have to follow any labs beforehand. And I will generally start with looking at protocols who are waiting to be reviewed and looking at some of the beacon plans that we're looking to build in the near future. And I will tackle those one by one, depending on their priority and type of trials. I will generally focus on some of the uh, early phases trials. At Hogue, we conduct phase one, phase two, and a couple phase three studies. But I will focus more on the phase ones because they logistically require more attention and details compared to the other studies. So that's usually my day-to-day. They are very oncology heavy, and I can imagine the other research pharmacists to be Pretty somewhat the same. I would say mimic maybe 95% of what I said, describe on my day, but some people do different tasks. For example, when I was trained at Kaiser, their clinical research pharmacist could be either a local facility or a regional role. I follow both in a local setting where the pharmacist received the drug. And they perform the accountability and dispensing role. And then they, they review protocol as well, but not as extensively at the regional level. At the regional level, they receive drugs from the manufacturer and account for them and distribute to the individual facilities. Or they connect and review protocols that were to be built into Beacon with the regional Beacon building at Kaiser.
0: Okay, wow, that's that's a lot of things. So, so just to back up a little bit, I guess what kind of made you like really back up? So, so what kind of made you really get into pharmacy as a as a uh, career path?
1: Sure. Well, I started with being a science, bio science major at UCI, and I went on a couple trips. I wasn't so focused on going to pharmacy per se in the beginning. I went on a, a couple flying Samaritan trips down to uh, Mexico to help. Basically, how the inventory and some of the counseling points for the medication at that time, and sort of see how interactive pharmacists could be. I actually went into industry, pharmaceutical industry, right after graduation from UCI undergrad, and I got to do clinical monitoring, uh, site monitoring visits for clinical trials. Those people typically they are reviewing the logistics of the protocol and ensuring that the clinical trial sites perform every single duties per the protocol and that's what the monitor generally do and then i cover wide range of areas and it's pretty pretty fun for a young fella right out of college but it gets really tiring because you're traveling about 75% to 80% of the time throughout the year and then after that I decided you know I really think knowing the drug, knowing the pharmacology, knowing how it works and the process gets to become treatment inside the human body it was pretty fascinating so I decided to apply for pharmacy and interestingly enough my second job while I was waiting for interviews and results or whether I get in or not was, was at Elegant where I again dive into an industry role and but at that time I'm more of a local data analysis type of role so I will say that even from the get-go my 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 work experience has always been pharmacy related so kind of just dumped me right into the right profession
0: oh wow that's really good so then you know after going to pharmacy school and then doing your your residency programs I guess how did the PGY2 prepare you for your current position today
1: Sure, yeah, so what I do from day to day or clinical trial forms in general really does not require an oncology training. Even if I wasn't doing oncology, it doesn't require specifically what specialty that they're more of doing the trials on. It, it, it helps tremendously is because that I gone through a whole year intensive training on the oncology and I know some of the nitty gritty details about what, whether the chemo should have pre-medications, how it should be infused, what kind of side effects that I should expect clinically, not just on paper. Those experiences really helped me do my job a lot easier. I don't have to review the protocol and then review, for example, up to date or any primary literature or even package insert of the actual standard of care drugs as much because I already know those for my training. So it definitely streamlined my job a lot better by having the oncology training.
0: Okay. So Also, from my understanding, like we talked about this before, is that you had like an informatics elective rotation in your residency program. And I was curious uh, in how did that like, was that very helpful with what you're doing today in terms of like order set build and understanding, being able to interpret and then move things over to electronic world?
1: Sure yeah so I had a about six weeks I would say of informatics training as a rotation as a pJ1 resident at the VA and it's pretty pretty fascinating because I before that I literally have no, encounter or experiences or even like a simple discussion about what informatics is. I knew that th- there's pharmacists that perform these roles, but I don't know what they do on a day-to-day. So it was a pretty uh, eye-opening few weeks that I got to learn from the informatic pharmacists at my local institution. And what I learned from that is really it's just to break out of the shell because – you know, doing a residency, you're always thinking about clinical intervention and disease states guidelines, but doing informatics really almost force you to step outside the box. I did a lot of queries, which basically is pulling information about patients or specific drugs or any basic duties that the inquirer is asking you. And I practice a lot by building upon each other. For example, I got to learn how to pull patients on lisinopril, five milligrams between certain dates. And to to be able to do that, I have to learn multiple steps to, to even to get to that point. For example, I have to even start to learn from the very basic of how to even select data from a certain date. And you will think it's more of a just clicking a bunch of buttons and the result will simply pop out, which is not the case at all. And also, because the large amount of patients, uh, these results generate over uh, quite a long time. So, patients is something that I also learned from my rotation. So, basically, I got to learn both clinical information from my rotation because I have to know how to extrapolate the data and as well as how to approach it in a different mindset and not just a clinician, also as a, I guess, a computer science type of way if that's the correct way to say it.
0: Yeah close enough I guess. Um, uh, yeah so so that's good and I guess uh, since you've been working in this position quite some time now I guess what was your most rewarding experience that you've had in your current role or even just through your training as well?
1: Sure yeah so my current role I deal with a lot of people who are basically running on options because they're oncology and then they're oncology patients and they're going on trial. So there's not a lot of options left that left. And most rewarding part for me is being able to explain to them s- this items. I Sometimes it may not even be medication per se, but this product that they're putting in their body with a bunch of codenames, bunch of letters and bunch of numbers that it may somehow help them one way one way or the other, whether it's pharmacologically or it's a synergistic to bring out the regular chemotherapy's effects. And also, from my background training, I can tell from the class of product they are, whether they can be immunotherapy, chemotherapy, or vaccines, that what type of side effects that they can anticipate. And you really don't get a lot of those from the manufacturer or the sponsors or even the pack, um, the not a package insert, but they have a pharmacy manual that typically comes with these products and they don't tell you too much. They tell you what the animals experience before coming to phase one. So a lot of patients felt at ease knowing, you know, some of the more common side effects or at least common awareness of things that could happen on day one or day two when they go home, or maybe in a few months or a few weeks. So that's the most rewarding part of my day, you know, Put it in perspective.
0: Okay, that that's really cool. Uh, so so for me, like I work in informatics and I do like order sets for oncology, and you know we run into a lot of issues because oncology cycles are very complicated, especially for pediatric oncology order sets, which follow the the Children's Oncology Group protocols. I guess when you run into something like that you haven't seen before, or you don't know how to handle in a order set setting like do you have a way to like collaborate with people like how does that work with you do you speak with someone or like do you have like a strategy that you do
1: Sure. Yeah. So I, I might have to ex- explain my answer in two parts. One, uh, when I got training in Kaiser, Kaiser uses Epic. And I, I actually did a pediatric oncology rotation, and I got to build some of the COG leukemia protocols. And those are pretty much start with a backbone and then you modify every single item in a plan and a lot of times you do run into issues because these protocol gets amended and also also they are built by humans on the other side so they have mistakes missing tabs or um, dif- different doses are used between institutions or facilities. A lot of times when I run into logistic issues, I was lucky enough that one of our attendings um, that was training me at the same time, a Pete's onc. Um, he happened to sit on the EPIC building for the clinical aspect. So he knows the protocol really well. And he was able to walk me through the protocols and explain all the confusing part and explain why certain doses doesn't really match up or logistically why, for example, you know, in pediatric oncology, it's what we call the mega day because they're admitted into the hospital and then all the drugs are given over a course of a few days. And sometimes a drug is placed on uh, the day that's not intended only because you don't want the drug to expire out at the end of that 24 hours mm-hmm. this is sort of uh, a, a different perspective because I will say maybe 80-75% of the oncology pharmacists deal with an outpatient care setting so every single item expired out and closed the encounter at the end of the day so dealing with pediatric oncology is, is fun because you have to think about the near future and also it, it takes a lot of manipulation because you as an oncology pharmacy you have to make this plan that not only you understand, and the inpatient pharmacists understand because they have to cover you to make this in the middle of the night, and as well as the nurses can understand. Um, so, the way that you build it, it, it's quite different. And you have to actually talk to those people to figure it out when the issue happens how they interpret it. A nurse may interpret an issue, for example, when the med expired out, it does not mean it's done. It does not mean it's disconnected. It just means that she's on the wrong day. When the inpatient pharmacist run into issue that the med can be compounded, it's because the instruction is not put into the comment, comment area. So I think looking for resources and also talk to the people encountering the problem, not just myself, they encounter problem. Uh, it really helps putting things into perspective but the other part of my answer is right now I'm dealing with clinical trial drugs. So when issues come up, I, I'm i pretty much the only person that could answer a lot of questions. For Hoke Memorial Hospital, they're... Epic is actually on, other, on another institution's instance. So, when issues come up logistically, when the entry is not correct or the entry is missing, it takes quite a few times to communicate the problem as well as problem solve because a lot of times uh, the analyst is not clinically trained. There are people that build beacon plans for clinicians, but they're not clinicians themselves per se. So, to be able to utilize my informatic experience to think out outside the box or think outside of a clinic, clinician's box to communicate with these analysts to explain to them what they need to be fixed really does help uh, streamline the problem-solving process. Something that I had to explain to them the other day was that one of the drug where it has a mandatory pre-med but a PRM post-med. So <laughs> that, that, that took a while for them to grasp that idea that I need them to sort of both show to be prn but one has to be given so i basically put prn in the comment box instead of making the frequency as a prn for the premed so that, that was an issue that I had to solve the other day. So but yeah, looking for other people's perspective and their input, it really does help troubleshoot a lot of order set building.
0: Yeah, that, that's really cool. It's, it's kind of funny that you said mega day because so mega day, that's, that's what the term that you use over in Epic and over at the, so I work for a Cerner hospital and we use the term super day for the same kind of issue where, you know, it's, a, <laughs> it's an extended day of treatment. You just got to you know, upgrade that. Yeah,
1: yeah, pretty much.
0: Uh, yeah, so so uh, I guess for people who want to get into like being a clinical research pharmacist or even going to oncology, do you have any like specific advice for them?
1: Yeah, sure. So I I definitely think doing a PGY2 is it's worth it over and over again. You know, being able to gain the extra knowledge, tap into the pool of opportunities that, you know, regular PGY one won't provide you. it's something worth it to go into this field because a lot of times, clinical research pharmacists may not focus on an equal amount of different fields. You will focus more on one type of disease day more than the other, depending on institutions. So being able to specialize in those PGY2s really will help your job a lot easier. And also, just... You know, if you can try to pick up an elective rotation in PGY-1 or even as a student for clinical research or a pharmaceutical company in general, General, you will be able to understand the other perspective. You know, not everything is u- utilizing a standard of care drug that's already FDA approved and you basically just dispense. You have to do a lot of background paperwork, background logistics, accountability. And we as pharmacists are trained to be very deep detail-oriented, but being clinical research, bring it to another level.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So, if anyone wanted to reach out to you to, you know, if they have any other questions, is there a way that they can contact you?
1: Sure. They can just simply show me an email. I generally reply pretty quickly, just the nature of my job.
0: I build order sets. I'm on computer anyways. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, what, What's the best email they can contact you at?
1: Yeah. So, my email will be david.chu at Hoag.org, that's spelled H-O-A-G.org.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I'll be putting that in the show notes too. All right, to be respectful of your time, I'd like to thank you again for taking some time out of your busy day to be on the podcast. And uh, I'm sure our listeners learned a lot about your journey. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yes, of course. All right, if you guys like this episode, please rate us on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or any of your other favorite podcasting services. Find out more about our organization by visiting ocpha.org, or you can follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. But until next time, OCPHA is signing off, reminding you to get determined, get inspired.